And on the brand side, really bringing that in also from the very beginning, from really acknowledging the limits of what a corporate social media account can do, what corporate content marketing can do. You need these bridges to your target market, whether it's in attending events and festivals and conferences or empowering influencers to tell the story of your product has to be there from the very beginning. Can't be an afterthought because those will be ways to infiltrate, to make the sale, to grow, to be a part of culture. Otherwise, if all you're doing is running ads, there's only so far that can get you. And that can get you far. You can sell a lot through ads, but you're not going to be a company that's part of pop culture, that's on the tip of people's tongues, that has ambassadors and evangelists out there if all you're doing is running ads. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Today, we're going to be talking about partnerships, and not just any partnerships, but creator economy partnerships, and at scale, and at Lightrix with Jacob Schwartz. Well, we're going to be diving into the whole world of the creator economy with Jacob, and we're going to be understanding a little bit about the incentive systems, the different challenges that are arising with the creator economy, but mainly the new opportunities that are coming about it. Welcome, Jacob. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me. I'm 20 Minute Leaders today. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very, very much for being here. We're going to be talking about a space that I'm so dumbfounded on. And I think it's something that uh, generally we were not giving it enough credit yet. This incredible, incredible emergence of the creator economy as such a foundational movement in terms of how everything is about to change, obviously from travel to fashion, to entertainment and decision-making. Uh, I obviously it's going to go into all the different sectors eventually, uh, but I'm really excited to have you here and to to hear about your perspective on this economy and where your journey has taken you. So again, thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. It's definitely a whole world and would take hours and hours to get into. <laughs> 100%. So briefly connect the dots from you looking back, you know, about your journey. We were Clytrix, just so that I can get a, a foundational understanding of how you've entered this creator economy space. Yeah, sure. So as far as I see it, I've been in it from the beginning before the buzzwords and titles for it existed. I got online really early AOL 1.0 back in the day at college. I studied film production. I always loved storytelling, digital culture, the impact of the digital revolution on our society and culture, and always interested in how companies, how people share their stories and connect with people online. So there was the whole emergence of social media and people creating content on those sorts of platforms. And now sort of the evolution or maybe a shift from brand voices to individual voices seems like a natural evolution. And, you know, it's not necessarily rocket science. Creators are just people telling stories. And now technology allows them to connect with bigger and bigger audiences. And brands are seeing the impact of that. 
while at the same time, people don't necessarily trust companies and don't want to just get marketing messages and ads from companies. So it's not necessarily rocket science. You as a person are much more likely to be influenced by another human that entertains you, that educates you, as opposed to a brand. And so for me, I've found a way to make a career of all the above through places like MTV and VH1 and other TV and media companies like Discovery to companies that were trying to be a big part of culture also like WeWork and now at Lightrix, which is making tools used by millions of creators. Incredible. So the creator economy at large, can you give me a, you know, your own perspective on the emergence of it? How, you know, what was sort of the trigger and, and what are we seeing unfold here? before our rise in 2022. Yeah, I think kind of like I mentioned, we're seeing the rise of the voice of the individual and the tools available to help them and empower them to tell their stories, to connect with the audience, whether it's niche audiences who just want to see a great, you know, on TikTok, I follow this great creator who is just a lock picking expert and people send him locks in the mail and he buys locks and shows how he picks those lots. That's entertaining. Maybe it's a niche audience. It's just a fun thing to see. To the biggest, most mainstream celebrities, musicians, and others. And you see what, for example, people like the D'Amelio family are doing that I'm lucky enough to work with now that have sort of passed the evolution of just being digital creators and now into more mainstream celebrities with TV shows and movie and music and all of that. It's really amazing. And it's a challenge for companies to go beyond what they're used to doing, which is marketing strategy, buying ads, writing copy for ads, and figure out how to tap into this space, how to partner with and bridge their story with the story of individual creators who are human beings, who have flaws, who have their own stories to tell, and how to work with them to drive business impact is a whole revolution where you can't control everything. The more you try to dictate to an influencer, the less they'll be able to influence their audience because they know what works with their audience not necessarily a VP of marketing in a corporate headquarters somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I say, I'd love to tackle this question, these, these next questions from two angles. One is from the angle of the creator and the other from the angle of the business. And, and so let's start from the creator side. Can you share with me what are, you know, the real, the pain points or the journeys that, that currently a creator goes through and, and what are the tectonic shifts that are happening on the side of the creator today? Yeah, sure. Great question. Obviously, a very complicated and in-depth question. I think if you break up the creator economy on the creator side by smaller creators, people who maybe have an ambition to, you know, not have a different job, but if the number one job kids want to be when they grow up is to be an influencer now. So what does that mean when you're at that stage where maybe you only have 100 followers and you want to get to 10,000 followers and build an audience around that? It's a very different pain points than when you have 5 million followers and maybe a staff of three or four people and are negotiating brand deals for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And suddenly you find yourself having to pay employment benefits to people and figure out tax returns and retirement plans. It's all really different pain points. Just like any other industry, there's that evolution people go through from being small to bigger and bigger. And each creator has their own way of sort of evolving. And some might want to move more behind the camera and build businesses around it. And some want to be the star and in front of the camera and maybe use their fame to springboard into other more traditional things like being a movie star or a TV presenter or something like that. 
it's all really, really different, totally different ball games. And so in terms of the, the way that they're, that they're building it, the way that the, the leverage that they have, the ways that they're creating their content, are there major shifts that are happening or is it sort of state of the art as it is now? Yeah, no, definitely not shifting every single day. We see now all the changes happening at Twitter, which is insane. We see bigger platforms like Snapchat and TikTok competing with each other, copying features, trying to woo creators in different ways with different methods of monetization. They're sort of the big brother in the house, YouTube, which has been paying the most money to creators for the longest time and is maybe the most stable and long-term place for creators to monetize themselves. So constant changes. And as you're a growing creator, when you start growing, maybe after a few brand deals, maybe you hire an assistant or a social media manager to help you. That first time you have to give someone a pa your password and hope that they're not going to do something wrong with it. You know, there are pain points at every step of the game. Then as you get into having managers, agents, legal teams, financial advisors, it's all so different. While at the same time, the marketplace is changing so much. Creators are working very hard to find other ways to monetize beyond just brand deals because maybe that's where they make the most money, but it's the hardest. They don't want to be seen as selling out to their audience. They don't want to just have ads in their posts. So more and more ways, whether it's merchandise or subscriptions or micro payments and different platforms like Patreon and others allow for different models like that. It's fascinating. That's why we could be talking about this for hours. And so if we're looking now from the business side, from the, from the company's angles, what, what shifts are you seeing in terms of the way the companies are thinking? You, all, you briefly mentioned, you know, the fact that companies understand now that the traditional avenues of marketing are slowly becoming less relevant and it is through the voice of the people and it is the authenticity and the huma humane nature of that of the creators. How do companies adapt now to these shifts in the creator economy? Yeah, I think it's challenging and I understand their pain and frustration. You can't see working with influencers in a very scalable way. It's not just neat numbers in a spreadsheet as you might have with your performance marketing, with the ads you run. Each of these people are individuals. You know, there can be creators with a small amount of followers who maybe have a big ego or maybe just went viral and are struggling to figure out how to translate that into a business. And then you have bigger creators who maybe have larger audiences, but that are less engaged. And what you can expect out of each of those kinds of creators is very different, not necessarily the same sort of metrics as you see with performance marketing. So it's a very different change in mindset, how it impacts brand awareness, how it impacts things like your performance marketing is all really, really different. And brand marketers are learning to let go more, trust the creators. There's only so much you can dictate. If you actually want them to influence their audience, you have to trust their instincts, which people aren't used to doing when you're an executive at a brand. You think you know best what the call to action should be and maybe what the hashtag should be and things like that. And it's not very scalable. It takes a lot of manpower, a lot of human touch, building relationships. You know, you might send a Christmas present to an influencer you worked with that they really appreciate it and go above and beyond when they're working with you. There's so much psychology. These are individual people. They're humans with a soul. They might have a bad day. They might get burned out. The Facebook ad manager never gets burned out. That's always there for you to work with just your numbers and settings. And so very different mindset. And so how is this? 
how 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 are these relationships forming today? Is it very much on an sort of an individual basis? You have somebody from a company reaching out to an influencer and trying to start making a relationship. Are there platforms starting to rise in this regard? How how are you seeing this landscape? Yeah, it's really all the above. There are a lot of middlemen online platforms. For example, Lightrix acquired one called Popular Pays, which connects brands with influencers who have registered and there's some sort of vetting process there and a little more creative thought about making those connections. Then there are fully automated platforms and obviously lots of brands sending direct messages to lots of creators and vice versa, smarter creators pitching themselves to brands they think are relevant for them. And then so much more. Working with brands is just one way of monetizing as a creator. It's a whole career path. It's a whole business from the side of the creator. So they're also thinking about subscriptions and micropayments for fans and other experiences and merchandising and offering swag, live events, all that kind of stuff. So it's a whole new world. And that's why we call it the creator economy. It's an entire economy. It's not just a brand pays X to an influencer for three Instagram posts and that's it. That's a really short-sighted, maybe old-fashioned way of thinking about it. And so you you are seeing it as a, um, as a career path. So you're seeing that this is a, you know, the, a lot of the people that are engaging with this creator economy, they're looking at it as a career path and not as a side hobby to something else that they're doing. Absolutely. And there's so much more than just what I would call the on-air talent, the on-camera talent. You see now more and more job postings for people in that world. There are job postings for things like YouTube thumbnail creator, because if you're great at creating thumbnails for YouTube videos, the creator you work for will literally make more money and that's worth it for them to pay you to do that. So there's gonna be more and more job titles we see in this economy. Who's on camera is just the tip of the iceberg. And of course, there are plenty of very popular accounts, whether it's meme accounts or infographic accounts or other things that aren't based on personalities, on a single human being on camera. And it's all still the creator ecosystem, the creator economy. It's really exciting. Incredible. And so if you're looking at your own journey within the creator economy, how, how have you grown in your own mindset and understanding? What were some of the major, I guess, shifts that you've gone through as you grew to understand with this industry, what's happening? I mean, you, you mentioned that you started from day one, so you lived through these different changes and accepted those changes, which I guess maybe 10, 15 years ago, most people wouldn't necessarily understand that this is what's going to happen. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, you know, growing up in New York, watching MTV, that's like, at that time, that was the center of pop culture. Then getting a chance to work there was really awesome. So I got to work at the time with Tila Tequila, the number one person <laughs> on MySpace, because MTV gave her a show. And so to see what it's like taking someone like that with their digital influence at the time to promote a show, to try to drive tune in to a cable channel from a social media presence, was real a really new concept. And over the years, seeing how there started being more and more digital marketing commitments in contracts with talent for TV, so that you're not just casting an actor to be in a show, but you're also analyzing their social media. And that's part of the casting process and how their accounts are doing. And will they also be able to have an impact on marketing? That was all new ideas where the marketing folks would be in the room with the casting people on reality TV shows, let's say. 
And then as that became more and more natural, now you're at a point where it's from day one, what is the social media presence? To what extent is there digital influence around this bringing in influencers, let's say to have a part in a movie, because then they'll help to be a part of marketing the movie, even if they're not the star. And on the brand side, really bringing that in also from the very beginning, from really acknowledging the limits of what a corporate social media account can do, what corporate content marketing can do. You need these bridges to your target market, whether it's in attending events and festivals and conferences or empowering influencers to tell the story of your product has to be there from the very beginning. Can't be an afterthought because those will be ways to infiltrate, to make the sale, to grow, to be a part of culture. Otherwise, if all you're doing is running ads, there's only so far that can get you. And that can get you far. You can sell a lot through ads, but you're not going to be a company that's part of pop culture, that's on the tip of people's tongues, that has ambassadors and evangelists out there if all you're doing is running ads. And connecting with people who have influence on the ground in culture is what companies need to do to be able to go to that next level of sophistication as a company. Incredible. So what do you do today within Lightrace? I know, you, I know you love your job. That is already from our few conversations. I, I understand that, that much. Tell me a little bit about why you, what is it that you do and why you love it so much? Yeah, sure. So these days, and I won't bore you with the history, but these days we focus a lot on our relationships with talent of all kinds from small creators that we work with to bring in content for our inside our app experiences, as well as on our social media. So those I'd consider more creators. We're not necessarily working with them because of their influence over an audience, but they're using our apps in great ways that we want to feature, build tutorials out of, for example, all the way up to bigger influencers and celebrities. So like this deal that we have with the D'Amelio family who took an equity stake in the company and have really become broad-based ambassadors. So at any given time, you can see across Charlie and Dixie and Mark and Heidi, their accounts posting content edited in our apps or engaging with our social media in a much broader way than just, here's a bunch of money, you owe us five posts over this time, and that's it. So I love going deeper with these relationships and building more broad-based, long-term ambassador relationships that's much less transactional and short-term. What did you grow to understand about the motivations of the creators? You mentioned before that they're trying to tell their own story. They're here to to be authentic and, and to influence through their own personality. What has you understood about sort of the way they work and how you can best partner with them and support them on their journey? Yes, I really, you know, a lot of this is not rocket science. It is about these buzzwords that people throw around now about authenticity and integrating into the influencer. It's not just here's the script for the ad, please read it and we hope your fans will purchase immediately in the short term, but by developing much broader long-term relationships, then the partner can start to really integrate the brand into their content. And then their fans actually see, oh, they actually use it. They actually like it. It's not just that they got paid for two posts and then I never hear about it again, but is it in the background? Is it mentioned in other ways? Are they engaging with the accounts on social media in ways that Obviously, you just do more as a normal human and not just a paid advertiser for someone. So that's really what we strive to do and what I like to do. So if I'm working with an influencer trying to craft that longer term strategy, 
And for example, at Lightrix, these are editing apps. So I don't care if they use our apps on their other brand deals and people know it's edited in Video Leap, for example, our video editing product. That's totally fine. It's not exclusive. It's not competition. They're actually using these tools and you can see it even on things that don't look overly promotional. Because the big pain point with the influencer is always to find that connection point, that bridge between the brand messaging, the brand goals, and their audience. And it only works when it's win, win, win for everyone. A brand can't dictate too much. A kid, a brand doesn't want the influencer to sell out their audience. The influencer doesn't want to do that. And the audience doesn't want to feel like they're just being sold and monetized. So if there's a way for the brand to provide value to that following, even if it's entertaining and something fun and random. And again, not just a cheesy ad. So when I'm working with someone, it's not necessarily about, oh, they have to be in perfect hair, perfect makeup with the perfect lighting from their ring light to deliver a speech that I gave them about the brand. That's the last thing I want. I just want them using the product, integrating, maybe wearing the logo every now and then or something in the background or you see a cup on their desk. That's a lot more natural. And again, building that long-term relationship and awareness. And maybe through that, just maybe, their audience will actually be influenced in a way where just doing one or two cheesy posts, they won't actually be influenced. If you're a follower, you know, oh, I guess good for you. You made some money from this brand, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and buy that brand product now. For sure. I think I, I love that distinction. At the end, it's how do you actually influence and how do you create that trust and, and, and it sounds like okay, well, it's, it's a much more healthy way of doing a partnership. But it takes time. Clear about all yeah. the ends and learn. Yeah, it takes time and money. It kind of yeah, takes the right stomach and patience to really build that relationship over time in a way that I understand can be really nerve wracking for brands who want to see, oh, how many sales did it bring us yesterday? It might take time to build the relationship and then next Christmas, suddenly there's a big boost in sales because people have your brand in mind. But the only time people hear about your brand can't just be in ads and can't just be wrapped in messaging that says, click here, buy now, download now. But that's the only time they're hearing about the brand. There's only so far that can take you. Jacob, thank you so much for coming in for sharing with me or your journey your understanding and passion for the current economy. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you on the side. And thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you so much, Michael.